0: So this episode is being released in November of 2022 and many across the world would know that November is the month to raise awareness for men's health through the Movember movement. And Movember is much more than just a good excuse for men to grow seedy moustaches to raise awareness and funds and start a conversation about men's health. Movember has significant experience in programs for men's health developed digital health products that deliver impactful outcomes. So with me today is Sam Gladhill from Movember, and in this episode, we're talking about changing the face of men's health, and what Movember's vision is for digital health, and what it all has to do with health tech. And a lot more too, collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech, let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. With me today is Sam Gledhill from Movember. He's a veteran Mo with more than a decade's experience at Movember, and he's worn different hats in the organization across that time, ranging from project management in biomedical research to testicular cancer program manager, and now product leader of the digital health team. Hey, Sam, how are you? I'm great, Pete. Thanks for having me on the show. It's a
1: pleasure to be here. And thanks for giving me the chance to uh, come and talk a little bit about digital health.
0: Yeah, love it. Look, and great time to do it as well. So I appreciate you making the time to have a chat. Look, I, I went into a little bit about you and what you do at Movember, but tell me a bit more, set the scene, tell us a bit more about you and what you do. Well,
1: I've got a fairly, I think what's a fairly typical journey through a career in a, in a not-for-profit that perhaps you don't typically get in some of the for-profit worlds. And that is, there's always more jobs to be done than there are people to do the jobs in the, <laughs> in the not-for-profit world. And so I came into November nearly 11 years ago, working on a prostate cancer research project. So my background's in medical imaging, I'm a nuclear medicine tech by trade. And so I came in to manage a program that was looking at how we can better do tests on men with prostate cancer. And then over time... That grew and grew and I ended up running a portfolio of biomedical research programs for the organization. And then there became a pretty clear need that we needed someone to step into supporting the men that we're trying to serve with testicular cancer. And so I headed up the testicular cancer programs for a period of time. And then most of those ended up sitting in this digital health space. And so we were sort of on the the cusp of a bit of a product transformation journey through that time. And so as we started to put new ways of thinking and new ways of working into our products, we started to build up this repertoire of digital health. And so I moved into a role that really sort of led that digital health teams across both prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and then in more recent times into the mental health and suicide prevention space as well. And then most recently in the last couple of months have shifted my attention to thinking about how we can take product thinking as we do in the digital space and start to think about that in some more non-digital ways of working throughout the organization. So really trying to think about bringing the organization to a focus more on problems rather than outputs and really focus on how we can start to think around, you know, solving solutions for consumers rather than thinking that we know all the answers go on that user discovery journey and and start to learn more about what the consumers are telling us their needs are.
0: I mean, I had no idea that there was that much going on behind the scenes at Movember, you know, like when you say you... Work at Movember, it, like a lot of people might think. Well, that's something you do for one month out of twelve, but there's there's obviously a lot more than what a lot of people know about Movember. So maybe just talk to me a bit more about Movember and what it is. Yeah,
1: you, you're right. It's, it's the most the, the most often question we get asked is, well, what do you do for the other eleven months of the <laughs> year? <laughs> um, and the reality is, there's a lot going on. When I first started here uh, nearly a dozen years ago, there was only about oh, 15 or twenty people in the Australian office, and globally, I think we had around fifty or sixty staff. And that was 2012. Since that time, we've started to really grow out the programs side of the business. And we've grown as an organization to be able to support this year-round effort because whilst the mustache and mustache growing and mustache season is the kind of pinnacle of our year, we realize that actually from a business longevity perspective, we need to ensure against having all of our eggs in one basket. So we think about other ways throughout the year that we can start to raise awareness So I think really good examples of that are things like in April, we run a testicular cancer awareness campaign for testicular cancer awareness month in April. Mm -hmm. September brings us World Suicide Prevention Day so we can actually start to raise our voice and raise awareness through those campaigns. And of course, as the programs team has grown over the course of the last 10 years, that's a year round effort. That's not something that we can only do during one month. It's the sort of thing where those programs that we invest in are ongoing long-term investments in men's health that we need to make sure that we manage and curate and you know, and navigate towards the outcomes we're trying to achieve.
0: Yeah. And you touched on this in your intro too, but talk to me a bit more about how that ties in with digital health as well.
1: So one of the things that we're noticing is Movember was really a bit of a leader. Like we sort of started the the journey way back in 2003 when we started. So for those that aren't familiar with the Movember story, Movember started as a conversation between two mates in a pub in Melbourne in 2003. Like all good Australian <laughs> stories, it's two blokes sitting next to each other in a pub having a chinwag and they came across this idea that they hadn't seen. Remember 2003, no one had seen a mustache for, for ages since the, you know, the eighties of Australian cricket, like the, the, the powerhouses of Australian cricket. <laughs> so the challenge was issued to one of our founders, Trav and 30 of his mates, grow a mustache throughout November. We'll have a bit of fun. We'll have a bit of a party at the end of the month and we'll see, see what happens. And so they noticed as they went through the month of November, they were all growing these mustaches. It started to spark a whole range of questions that they were really quite surprised to hear. Like people were saying, why would you grow a mustache? Like, What is that all about? Like, that's ridiculous. And And simultaneously, they noticed that around the world, everything was being painted pink for breast cancer awareness. It was a real, like if you remember back in those those days in 2003, there was a lot of of energy and a lot of activity in raising awareness for breast cancer for a a lot of the fantastic breast cancer initiatives that we sort of have looked at with, with envy over many, many years. And so the boys were a bit surprised when they did some research and found out that as many men died of prostate cancer as women died of breast cancer, yet awareness was through the floor. There was no campaigns to to show men that they needed to think more about what was going on with prostate cancer. So in 2004, they decided to repeat the process in November, encourage people to grow a mustache, but this, this year they monetized the mustache. And so they said, let's get your friends to make a donation and we'll see how we go. And surprise, surprise, they raised 50 grand that year and handed over a big novelty check to the Prostate Cancer Foundation of Australia. And so the charity was born and then since then it's grown. We now have a presence in over 20 countries around the world. We've got offices here in Australia. Our headquarters is here in Melbourne, but we've got offices in Los Angeles, Toronto, and also in London. We've got a roughly three just shy of 300 staff globally and about 180 of them sit here in the Melbourne office. So uh, we've grown into quite a sort of medium-sized organisation now. And with that, we've also taken on to do those programmes ourselves. So where we used to have the big novelty checks and hand those over to, to organizations and let them decide what to do with the money. Now, much of the organization, there, there are still partnerships we have with other organizations where they're best positioned to address specific needs. But from a strategic perspective, it was easier for us to hold on to those funds and invest them into programs that we, through advisors and through guidance, told us were the things that we really needed to put our
0: attention to. Yeah. If you've been kicking around this industry a bit like me, or maybe even you're brand new to digital health, you've probably worked out that health tech is not an individual sport. Whatever you're trying to achieve, whether you're delivering healthcare for patients, or you're building health technology, or perhaps you're helping deploy solutions across health systems, you need a tribe, a community of like-minded individuals who just get it that if we're going to transform healthcare, then technology is going to play a huge part in it. So to learn and connect about health tech and level up your game, consider joining our THT Plus membership community. We've got options for every stage of growth, whether you're a solo individual or a startup or scale-up company. As an individual, you get access to our exclusive community forum. You get a warm intro to two other members from me each month. You get free access to our quarterly virtual summits and a bunch of other exclusive goodies. Companies can bring team members into the community, plus you get a presence on our website as a THT Plus member, you can post content like news events and jobs, and of course we love to showcase our members, so when you join as a company THT Plus member, you'll get to appear on this podcast with your very own episode. This podcast is made possible through the support of our members, it's literally the heart of everything we do, so consider joining as a THT Plus member, you can join anytime online, just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash THT And so is that how it's funded then? So just through the fundraising, through individuals' initiatives, and I guess there's some corporate bits and pieces too?
1: Yeah. So the bulk of our funding comes through guys and girls growing mustaches and taking move challenges in November and asking their friends and family for money. That's the biggest source of income that we have. Of course there's corporate and commercial partnerships that we have that help us along the way. We've got some great corporate partnerships that work both in a fundraising perspective, but also in helping us deliver good programs. I think a really good example here in Melbourne is the Spuds game initiative that we've had with the St Kilda Football Club. So Spuds game, Spud Frawley, for those that, um, I don't know, you're a Sydney sider, so maybe we need to explain to the AFL, uh, <laughs> naive. Danny Frawley was a, was a big figure in the AFL and uh, tragically took his own life a few years ago. Um, and there's now a game, an AFL game in his honour every year. And we've, we've been very fortunate to work with the AFL and with the, with the St Kilda Footy Club to help create that legacy and share the funds with St Kilda Footy Club with, for a wellness center that goes into their home ground, but also support some of the programs that we've got in the mental health space. So most of our funding comes through direct what we call peer-to-peer fundraising. So people asking their friends and family for money and then donating to us. But there's also an element of corporate partnerships. There's also an element of make like big corporate teams like the Telstra's and BHP's of the world partnering with us to get their workforce to also participate, also undertake perhaps engaging with some of our programs and then using them as also a way to get access and a way to raise awareness through their staff with all the things that we're trying to achieve.
0: Yeah, well, that's so awesome. These programs and these these things that are built out. Talk to me a bit more about what those look like.
1: So one thing we've got some organizational goals um, that really focus our attention on three big buckets or cause areas we like to call them. So obviously prostate cancer was the first and is probably the biggest that we've got where we've put a we put quite a bit of money into funding biomedical research, survivorship programs, like really focusing on how we can better support men through a diagnosis and treatment of prostate cancer. Uh, Same thing with testicular cancer. We've got programs that support mostly focused on the survivorship side of testicular cancer and some smaller programs in the biomedical research space to try and understand more about the disease and how we can find new treatments and new technologies to help diagnose. And then in the mental health space, we're really working upstream. So really looking at preventative measures. What we know is that social connection and being involved with peers actually is one of the most protective factors you can give, particularly to men. So really focusing on ways that we can foster social innovation and fo- and foster social connection between guys. Um, so a lot of our programs foster a focus on fostering that social connection. So we know we're also, we're humble enough to know that we're not the experts in this space. And so we rely very heavily on having global advisories of the, like the thought leaders of the world that we bring and convene to come together and help guide and shape the, the things that are really important in those three areas. So the world's best prostate cancer and testicular cancer researchers and, and clinicians, as well as the world's greatest minds in mental health, bring them together and then advise and guide on what are the things that are actually going to make a difference and how we can go about trying to strive to reduce you know, the number of men who die by suicide. Some stats and facts, it's, it's pretty it's pretty grim. You know, Three out of four suicides here in Australia, but also around the developed world are in men globally, we we lose one man every minute of every hour of every day to suicide globally. Um, so there's a lot of work that we need to do. And if we can do just one little thing to help shift that dial a touch, then, you know, that's a win for us.
0: Yeah. And th- those numbers are just astounding. And, and as we know, through COVID, it, it, that's only got worse and that, that compounded the issue further. So I guess tools like, like digital tools are, are what we all referred to over the last couple of years to, to at least get by.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and Movember's got a bit, of a, um, a bit of an advantage here. Like we've been a native digital platform for since we started. So the power of the peer-to-peer fundraising was really accelerated through digital tools. You know, the Movember.com platform became the thing that we get all of our fundraising on it, and it very rapidly you know, turned to generate $100 million a year. So that platform, that basis has really allowed us to engage with a fairly digital native audience. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, that's a fantastic stepping stone to get into the hands and the hearts and minds of all of the people that are, that are already sitting in this digital space that we can then deliver some health content to, to help them, whether they've got a need, whether it relates to a prostate cancer, testicular cancer diagnosis, or whether they're facing a mental health challenge.
0: And so th- th- there's obviously the direct relationship you have with individuals and people who are growing a moustache or raising awareness or undertaking, uh, or participating in different events. But I imagine close relationships with different stakeholders, like you say, in the research space is really important, but good relationships with clinicians too, with all these great resources that you're creating, no doubt they'll be useful patient resources as well, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the really exciting things about what Movember is doing is we have so we have these direct-to-consumer products. So thinking through our portfolio, let's take True North as our, uh, as our prostate cancer digital health platform. So it's a platform that's designed to give men and their partners tools, resources, information to help them through that journey, of that, that sort of early survivorship journey, that post-treatment journey of how to get back to as normal as possible a life and, and how to mm. cope with some of the side effects of treatment. So the True North tool is designed to be consumed by individuals who are facing a a prostate cancer diagnosis. But in parallel to that, we also have the privilege of having relationships where we've built national and global registries that have patient reported quality of life measures as part of those registries. And that allows us a really unique opportunity to think about how we can not only report back to clinicians how their practice is performing and how they can benchmark against others and what good looks like. But it also gives us the opportunity to then tailor some of the resources that we're providing to those individuals based on how they respond to that health-related quality of life survey. So you know, EPIC26 is a tool that we use to measure the impact of treatment on a man with prostate cancer, we can use those responses or use some inputs from a consumer to help guide and shape the information and prioritize the information that he might want to receive as he comes through this, or that he and his partner might want to consume as it relates to, you know, sexual dysfunction after a prostate cancer surgery and so on.
0: Yeah. You mentioned True North, and I think you might've mentioned a couple more in there. If you were to look at kind of the, the suite of, I guess, programs or, or digital health solutions or things that, that you've got there, like what, what would those be? So we've got uh, we've got quite
1: a few. So in the prostate cancer space, from a digital health perspective, True North is the big platform. So we've got a, a, an underlying platform of information, tools, and resources that help men through their journey with prostate cancer. In the testicular cancer space, we have a product called Nuts and Bolts, which is a, again, online platform designed to give men the tools, information, and resources that they need as they're facing a, a testicular cancer journey. And that was one of the first ones that we really dug into delivering ourselves using full-on human-centered design, full UX research. We did a lot of time delving into the problem space before we started to build that solution. And so yeah. those in the product world kind of will, will say, oh, yeah, this is obvious. But at the time, this is going back to sort of 2015, 2016, we didn't have a lot of experience in this space. And so we're very fortunate to put on a good product manager who really wanted to spend a lot of time, you know, in the old classics parlance, falling in love with the problem, not the solution. And so spend a lot of time interviewing and doing a lot of user research around actually what are the problems that men face when they're going through this testicular cancer journey. And over the course of several months, build up a really detailed narrative around what the testicular cancer journey looked like. And that allowed us to actually fall into a slightly adjacent space from where we thought we were going to go. We thought that the original problem space was that I've just been diagnosed with cancer. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to turn to. I don't know where to get advice. And that typical sort of you know, universal cancer diagnosis problem. But actually what we found out was when we spoke to these guys and we spoke to you know, men who'd had an experience, we spoke to their partners, we spoke to wives, girlfriends, we spoke to someone's mum, we spoke to a doctor, we spoke to a GP, spoke to a urologist, spoke to a urological nurse. Like we really wanted to get an all-round experience yeah. around what, what the lived experience of testicular cancer was like. And as we did that, we discovered that actually the journey from being relatively healthy and going right the way through to having your testicle removed and being a cancer patient typically only took about a week. Like it was really, really quick. And these guys end up, you know, sort of kicked out of hospital, end up at home on the couch, wondering what the hell just happened and really felt quite alone and quite vulnerable at that point in time. And we thought to ourselves, this is great. There's a real opportunity here for us because we as a brand can speak to these typically young guys. The average age of diagnosis in testicular cancer is in your mid thirties. So it's not an old man's disease. It's a young person's cancer. These young men who don't know anyone else who's had cancer, don't know any of their mates who've had this. This is a rare disease. Testicular cancer only affects around 1% of all male tumors. So it's pretty rare. You kind of get stuck. You've gone through this really, really rapid journey over the course of a week and you're wondering, your head's spinning. You're wondering what's going on. Mm. So there was a real opportunity for us with a brand that sort of reaches that audience to say, we can put our arms around you. We can give you the support. We can connect you up with guys who've lived through this before and can tell you what the journey is going to be like. We can show you information that is medically validated, that we've got reviewed by experts around the world, but is also not written like it's part of a medical dictionary online. So if you go and if you find yourself with a cancer diagnosis and you hit the old Google machine, you find yourself in one of two spaces. You either get you know, the wild, wild west where it's all Facebook groups and Reddit chats that are peddling all sorts of misinformation and incorrect diagnoses and all sorts of you know, bad advice, or mm. you know, you're on the Cancer Council website, which is a great resource, but really, really dense and technical and hard to follow. Mm. So we've got this unique advantage to be able to speak to men in a language that they understand and in a way that resonates with them, but also keeping that medical accuracy and making sure that we, you know, we're making sure we're giving information that's accurate and reliable and universal and and not going to put people into, you know, a, into a bad space or into down a wrong rabbit hole. Uh, we want to make sure that it's accurate and reliable, but also it's something that's relatable. So that's testes cancer, and then in the mental health space, we look at individual settings. So we've got in the sports setting. Uh, We have a product called Ahead of the Game, which is about raising mental health, literacy and resilience in young men in sport. And that's focused around actually using sport as a hook to engage with that audience. Mm. We've got Family Man, which we think is the world's only um, parenting resource directed specifically at dads. And then we also have O Conversations, which is um, a, a tool that helps you as someone who might be supporting a guy who's going through a rough period. To help have those really rich health conversations, how to make sure that someone's doing okay, how to lean into the conversation and and try and get them to open up and be vulnerable and, and share. And it's framed on the ALEC principle, which is, you know, ask, listen, encourage action, and then check in. So following that guide, that framework, how can you step that conversation through to really help these guys through their time of need?
0: So, so in creating these digital products, it's not just, you know, a bunch of people building some apps and then for whatever reason it might be, it comes from that solid grounding of, you know, there's all that, the, the work that you're doing in the, in the research space yeah. in terms of helping and, and funding and just being part of it coming from the culture and everything that of, of what Movember was from the very start. But also like you talked about, you know, the co-designing with clinicians and and patients like people who are who undergo treatment and diagnosis of different cancers, particularly for men. So yeah, I mean, I, I guess it, it, you're pretty uniquely positioned to be able to actually make a really meaningful impact with some of these
1: tools. Yeah. And that, that evidence base is critically important. Like we, we want to make sure that we're investing money that's been hard earned by fundraisers all over the world. We want to make sure that we're doing the best we possibly can with every single dollar we've got. And so Building something off the back of strong academic evidence is critically important, particularly in the prostate cancer and testicular cancer space. We have got, we think, a unique position to be able to take academically rigorous, validated programs of work and deliver them in ways that perhaps the academic world's not really well positioned to do in terms of how we can brand it, market it, bring it to the people in ways that are uniquely engaging and interesting and really optimise the user experience. Whereas the actual underlying academic principles of whether it's effective or not uh, still can still hold true. And so Mm. one of the ways we do this is we use a framework called REAL, which is reach, engagement, uh, action, and long-term impact. So that's how we frame out how we want to make sure that our theory of change goes from someone comes onto a product, they engage with that product for a period of time, they reach a point where they've got a a good dosage. If you were thinking of it in pharmaceutical terms, they've got a, a dosage of the product. That's going to trigger behavior change, and that's going to trigger a long-term impact over time. And so we set up our KPIs to measure along that real framework. So every step of the way, we're looking at, well, actually, one of the contingent parts of having big impact will be putting it in the hands of as many people as we can. So that's our reach, making sure we've we've got our marketing optimized to make sure we're getting the right numbers of people in. We're targeting the right audiences in terms of how we acquire users onto these products. And that includes distribution through partnerships with clinicians that you've already talked about. And then what we really want to do is, okay, well, what's the next step? Once Once we've acquired the users, how do we make sure that we've got them engaging with the products in a way that's actually going to deliver the best value, health value, or outcomes value for them in that engagement column? And then that, theoretically, that'll trigger into action. So people will consume our products, be inspired to have a conversation with their clinician, or they might want to change the way they go about things. They might want to do something slightly different than what they were doing before. So taking that action. And then that will result in long-term change and that will be our impact over, over the course of time. I think one of the challenges with this framework is, of course, that whole, to go through all the steps of the real framework can take quite a while. Like it, mm. it's not like, you know, you go down to the shops and you buy a pair of jeans and you walk out looking snazzy. Uh, you know, you need to, you need to wait for a while for these jeans to fit before they become, uh, <laughs> before they become fashionable.
0: Look, I mean, I was just thinking, I, I'm impressed at the the, the level of, of thinking going on behind the scenes to create some of these tools. And, I, and I'm thinking, you know, you started talking about the reach and how to get it in the, in the hands of more people. So does, does it really rely on a lot of, say, you know, I guess digital marketing or just word of mouth and getting to individuals downloading the things themselves, but then hopefully more and more clinicians or partners then recommending that, that people use these tools? Yeah.
1: I think if we look at, uh, maybe if we look at the, uh, the cancer space specifically, I think there's a really strong role for clinicians to play, particularly in something like testicular cancer, which is quite rare. So in a rare disease that a lot of clinicians are not going to see a lot of, being front of mind when someone sees a testicular cancer patient, they might only see two or three of these a year, being front of mind in the clinical community is going to be great. If we rely on digital marketing for our um, our testicular cancer tools, it's going to be really tough and really expensive to target men or or people at exactly the time they're hitting a testicular cancer diagnosis, because there's not many of them in a big pool of a very competitive market space. Like, you know, it's really hard to market to men in their 20s and 30s, right? Like it's very competitive. Every brand is trying to get a hold of them. And so that's where good partnerships with clinicians is really, really critical. So if you can, if we can be front of mind in the eyes of a GP or a urologist who's seeing these patients and he or she can say, I'm seeing this patient, by the way, hey, there's this great tool you should go to. It's called Nuts and Bolts. Here, head over there, they'll be able to get tools and resources. That distribution pathway is critically important to us. In prostate cancer, it's a similar thing with the clinical registries. So, as data is coming into these clinical registries and we're feeding back information to clinicians about how they're going and how they're benchmarking, there's opportunities for us to say, by the way, if you need tools and resources for your patients, here's a platform that your patients can go to and get all the tools and information and resources that they need.
0: Yep. No, that's amazing. Look, And there's, there's so many good th- things happening. And I appreciate that, the, you know, we're, we're having this conversation in November and the episode will be released too. So, you know, busiest time of the year for you guys, but what can we look forward to seeing perhaps this month, but also ongoing from November in, in the subsequent months and years as well?
1: Well, hopefully, listeners out there are all either growing a mustache or taking a move challenge on already. That would be fantastic. If not, it's still not too late to donate. So you can head over to Movember.com dot com uh, and throw us a donation if you like, or even just sign up to to learn more about what we're doing. All the information's on our website or uh, in the app that you can get out of the app stores. Uh, so do head over and have a look around and see what we're up to. In terms of what's coming next, we're at a really interesting point, I think, in Movember's history. I think the next five to ten years are going to be pretty exciting for what Movember's doing. We've spent a lot of the last 10 years that I've been here, not because of me, but I've been lucky enough to kind of witness it from the sidelines. But we've been doing a lot of work on building a really solid baseline of understanding what men need, understanding what the needs of these communities are. We've got a really strong focus on EDI. So making sure that as an example, in the US, black men represent less than 2% of all prostate cancer patients in clinical trials. And yet at a population level, they're much, much greater than that. And also we know that People who don't speak English typically get excluded from clinical trials. So, there's a lot of work for us to do to think about how we can agitate, advocate, how we can sort of innovate around some of these traditional structural problems around how we get access to these tools and resources. The most exciting thing I think that's happening right now in the prostate cancer space, we're just about to release a new tool. It's called Under the Hood, and it's focused on digging into the real problem space of the sexual well being of men after prostate cancer treatment. There is a bunch of clinical guidelines that we funded that have just been published that we're really thinking about how we can engage with the clinical community to get those guidelines into practice, but also then thinking around, well, can we then back that up with a consumer-based under-the-hood program of work that supports not just the men who've been diagnosed, but also their partners, their loved ones, and also their families to really tackle what is the biggest problem that we often see with prostate cancer treatment, and that is sexual dysfunction after treatment. So that's something that's really exciting. In the mental health space, there's a lot going on at the moment. I think the last couple of years have really taught us that you know social connection is really critically important. I think you'll start to see a lot more programs come that focus on how we can start to be an advocate for change towards what, how men approach their masculinities and how they approach the way they interact with the world. Because whilst we're a men's health organization, we know that we're focused on, on men as an audience, but we also know that that doesn't mean that we're only interested in the benefits for men. What we know is that for a lot of problems, a lot of societal problems, if you can fix the underlying causes, then everyone benefits. Yep. And so we'll, we're, we're hoping that over the course of the next sort of five to 10 years, as we start to become advocates for change around how we think about what the ideal man is and what being a man is all about, maybe we can start to change some of those more structural issues as well. So I think, uh, you know, Movember's Come a long way. We've come. We've certainly done a lot over the course of the last 18 years that Movember's been around. It started as you know this crazy conversation between two guys in a pub in 2003 to be where it is now. Mm. But really, I think if we want to be excited about what's coming, the real impact is still, uh, I think, in the next sort of five to 10 years as we start to really hone in on how we can, can. We've got the power to convene these big audiences of of men, clinicians, and people who are in the space. Bring them together. And at a global level, start to really advocate for change, and that's that's what excites me,
0: mate. I mean, there's a lot of alignment there with with how we think about things as well, too. Just generally within the talking health tech community around you know solving some of these big problems by bringing different stakeholders together and the, the importance of building and collaborating at each conversation. So, and one last time for for individuals who want to contribute towards fundraising side from November, but also for clinicians that are interested in some of those digital products and tools, and they're looking to perhaps recommend some of these to patients, should they just go to the Movember website? Is that the
1: easiest thing to do is head to the Movember website. You can link out there to all of those individual products. So mm-hmm. you can navigate through to whatever area you're particularly interested in. If it's prostate cancer, testicular cancer, or mental health, uh, you can go through and then all the products will be available for you to peruse. They're all freely available. You don't need to pay us any money for them. They're they're wildly available. Your patients can have access to them for nothing. It's one of the great things about being a charity is that we we give that IP away. We're not, we're not particularly interested in commercializing it. It's the thing that we know is going to make a difference to the lives of men. And so therefore, we want to get it into the hands of as many men as possible. So yes, if there's clinicians listening, head over to Movember.com, find all the details you want. If anyone's keen to give us a donation, we're more than happy, ready and willing to take it. So uh, again... Head to Movember.com. You'll see at this time of year, very big donate buttons all over the website to help you uh, navigate towards giving us a donation.
0: Very important. We'll, we'll put the details in the show notes of this episode for people to click through to the Movember website. And also you've got a presence on the Talking Health Tech website as well and check out all the content. They're not just this month, but throughout the year as well. I'm sure we'll be checking in on the podcast again soon to speak more about these really important issues. Sam, appreciate you making the time to come and have a chat on the show, buddy. Appreciate it. No worries, Pete. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, thanks for your support. Before you go, just a reminder to jump over to our YouTube channel and subscribe and watch some episodes there. There are podcast episodes, summit sessions, and a bunch of other interesting content on our channel. You can just search Talking Health Tech in the YouTube app or click on the link in the show notes of your podcast player, and it should just take you straight there. Thank you. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit TalkingHealthTech.com.